Welcome to All In. I'm Rick Jordan. Today I'm the CEO of a large technology company, but in 2007, I lost it all. And now I'm here to share the lessons I've learned and the strategies my guests have used to build success from the bottom up. And in every episode, you'll get something to reach for and something to grab onto, whether it's personal development, business, technology, or giving back. You'll be able to ignite the spark in your life to make that change and transformation so 10 years down the road from now, You'll be able to look back and say, I don't even know that person that I was. I'm so glad I decided to rise. I'm so glad I decided to stand up and actually begin to start to ignite the spark, to go all in. Hey, welcome back to All In with Rick Jordan. And today I have an amazing guest in studio with me, Remy Sorrentino. Hey, Remy. Hey, Rick. How you doing? I'm Awesome. And I would like you to tell everybody really who you are and what kind of cool stuff you do. Well, I am an entrepreneurial team matchmaker. I am the number one at finding your number two. So what that really means is, you know, as entrepreneurs, we really need that right-hand person. And I'm here to help find, train, and make sure that you have a lasting, successful relationship with this person. Yeah, you and I met when we were both speaking at Harvard Club of Boston back in July, and then I actually hired you, had your services, and you found me an amazing executive assistant to help make my life so much easier, even to schedule my travel here to the studio today. Yeah, just Love to hear that. Oh my gosh, my <laughs> life is so much easier right now, but you Yay. know, I really wanted you on today because... I love what I have called backbone workers. You know, there's an amazing book that's out there called Rocket Fuel, and it talks about the visionary and the integrators. And the visionaries are people like me who are extremely scatterbrained, you know, very creative mindset, big picture, and who could do operations and integration well, but it really kind of gives me brain damage if I stay there too long. So there's all these amazing people that are out there. And the really cool thing that I see about integrators is that they really kind of rule the world. You know, they're the ones that make everything happen. You know, I'm just the idea person, but you know, I, I'm never going to get to that destination unless I have a team to, to bring everything to fruition, fruition. And that's why I wanted you here because you can speak to that. And you're always in the mindset of the manager, the boss, the man, you know, and you interview people all the time. And I think everyone can benefit from that because everybody's looking for a job at some point in their life, right? Yes. Well, you've hit on like eight different like, I have. See, touch that's points. My, that's my mindset, <laughs> that's, right? You're it's the visionary over, and yes. I'm the integrator. So if we like go piece by piece of everything you just said, you know, um, you being the visionary, you have all these ideas. And just like right now, you're just like spewing out how amazing that having this right hand person is and how it's made your life so much easier. You know, a lot of entrepreneurs don't even know that they well, they might know that they need support or they might know that they need help, but then there's that like resistance of, oh man, can I afford it? Oh man, what are they even going to do? You know, do I have enough hours of work for them to do? And, you know, we can see that even in just what, has it been a month that you've had an EA in your life? And, you know, can you even say how much work you were doing beforehand yourself and how much per week you've passed off. I mean, she's full time, right? She's 40 hours a week. She is, yeah. And she's, I'm sure, that never ending to-do list. <laughs> oh, absolutely. She keeps me on my game, even tells me when I need to go home. You know, it, it, it's amazing. Finding her was great. That process was fantastic. 
you said I had these eight ideas, you know, and that building that team, having that uh, person to come along almost as your wingman, your wingwoman to help take you where you need to go and make sure that everything's in place for you to do what you do best, do what I do best. That's really important. You know, I, I see a lot of entrepreneurs and I have a, a technology firm that deals with cybersecurity, physical security, you know, a, a whole bunch of technology related things. And there's a lot of of one man bands out there in my industry. Yes. And I, I, I see them a lot because they feel like, oh my gosh, well, if I'm out there doing all the work, you know, I'm the one that's making the money. I, I'm the one that's bringing home the, uh, the cheddar. And, the bacon. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and how do you scale that? Yeah. The answer is you don't. No, you can't scale you. That's the biggest thing is there's so many solopreneurs, not just in your industry, in every industry. There's so many people out there that are trying to grind and do it all themselves, wearing so many different hats in their business. And honestly, they're their own worst enemy because they think they can do it all. And unfortunately, you can't. You can do anything, but you can't do everything. And these people, you know... We've all been guilty of it at some point, you know, trying to do it all ourselves. But A, you're going to burn yourself out. B, you might do things well or good. Some things you probably aren't doing well and don't even know it. And a lot of things end up falling through the cracks. And you don't even, you know, you're missing opportunities. You're missing more money that could potentially come in. And, you know, it's because you're in this hamster wheel and you don't know how to get out. You have such a long to-do list. It's like hiring someone seems like, oh, just another thing that I have to like put on my to-do list. And then when they do hire, it's like the last thing that's on their priority and they just find, oh, the best person that they can find in the maybe hour or two that they give it, you know, when that's not really an effective way to hire people. And then that ends up not being a good hire. And then like, oh, well, I tried hiring and it didn't work out. Well, you know, you're trying to do 18 million things. You have to focus, you know, and figure out what is your priority. And if your priority is more money, more productivity, more freedom, which I think is everybody's end goal you know, you have to really put in that time and effort because if you settle for anything less than the best, you're going to be always micromanaging and overmanaging or, you know, spending, wasting more time than if you take the time to hire properly. Yeah. There's a phrase that someone came up with around my office back in Chicago. It was just within the past month or so. And it was speed up, sorry, slow down to speed up. That was it. You have to slow down to speed up. Yeah. And it, I was there, I mean, 11 years ago, I was the solopreneur. You know, now I have a larger firm and there's no way I could have gotten to where I am without a team around me. And so many entrepreneurs and, and business owners start to think, well, who do I hire first? You know, do I hire sales? Do I hire marketing? You know, because I, I need to generate more revenue. And in my industry, I, I always see them going, well, I'm going to generate more work. So I need somebody to fulfill that work. And I don't know if there's any right answer because it probably varies by industry. Absolutely. But the, the whole point is that you will plateau. And that plateau seems to be much lower and lower nowadays to where you cannot break out of that unless you have a team to help get you where you're going. Exactly. You know, you said it. A lot of people, I think in this like digital space, everyone feels like they're trying to get to this end goal so fast and they're in this hamster wheel and they're like, go, go, go. And it's like this extra added pressure that they have to hit this certain level of success and do this on their own and and manage a family and manage a house and manage all like trying to have a life, you know. Um, but you're right. It's when we take the time and like really focus on what are the actual needle movers in our businesses. It's not all this busy work. You know, it's that's a lot of extra energy that you're in this hamster wheel. That's is it really doing anything for your business? And, you know, 
as the solopreneur, what's the value of your time? How many things are you doing that is really a $15 or $20 an hour activity? I call them minimum wage activities because, you know, we're doing all these different hats. But, you know, when you think about how much your customers pay you and you look at your value of every hour of your day, what are you really spending your time on? Is it the things that are going to continue to make your value go higher or are you making it way lower just because you think you have to do it all yourself? So yeah, I love that slow down to speed up because it is so necessary when everything feels like go, go, go. Oh yeah, it, it gets overwhelming and then you start making mistakes and your service quality suffers or your product quality suffers. It, it's it's horrendous. You know, I'm not in it to provide crappy service <laughs> no. to anybody that's out there. I actually believe in what I'm doing, which is, a, you know, side note, that's like the start of sales is right there. You, you, it's a lot easier to sell something when you believe in what you're selling. Right. You know, my team is fantastic and I wouldn't be where I am without them. And I, I was the one that hired the person to help fulfill the services right away. And then I completely shifted gears at that point to actually growing the business and, I went into sales pretty much is what it was. I've been doing that all my life. You know, like I said, I was in the operations area just for a little while to get things going because that's what you do. You know, you talk to so many solopreneurs and they're in it in the morning, you know, and they're in it at night. They're just getting it done. I was talking to someone who just started a communications company a few years ago and they were selling everything during the day and then fulfilling all those orders at night. And then ended up building it up and then selling it for many millions of dollars, you know, but that's where it starts is with that. But you realize that this can't go very far when it's just me. There's definitely a capacity or a bandwidth issue. Yeah. And then it becomes feast and famine, right? You have the capacity to network, market, and then you make some sales. And then when you are at the selling point, then you have to like actually deliver and give good customer yeah, service. It's this crazy wave that goes across. Yeah, the, the feast and famine. You're absolutely right. You know, and you sort of dive into different areas. One of my clients I was talking to about that the other day. I'm like, what's your sales engine? Where's your pipeline? And she goes, well, there's nobody in a in my pipeline. And what's a sales engine? And I was like, okay, we've got a lot Yikes. of work to do. Yes. <laughs> but she was in operations for this time period. And just prior to that, a couple months ago, all she was doing was focusing on generating new business. You know, so it is this, this vicious circle. And the, the point is, is you can really do it all that's there and you have to do it all in order to grow, but you can't do it all yourself. Right. And it's knowing, you know, when have you hit capacity? When have you done enough yourself that you can start bringing on team? I mean, it is a really scary thing. Like, being an entrepreneur, it's your baby, right? And to trust someone else, to bring on team, to take the time to teach people, you know, it is scary. It is uncomfortable. It is a growth edge that, you know, a lot of solopreneurs don't graduate out of and wonder why they're not getting to that next level of success. You know, they get stuck in the, it's mine. No one can do it the way that I can do it. Um, it's, I can't train somebody else. I don't have the time. There's not good enough people out there. You know, everyone makes up all these things in their head because, they just, you know, aren't ready to take that step out and actually become the CEO. They just want to stay in, it's mine, and and that's it. And for some people, that's enough, you know. But I think when you think about why we do what we do and you want to reach and help millions, you know, hopefully of people around the world, um, you can't be that selfish. It's actually a disservice to you, to your clients, to the world if you're just doing it all just for you, you know? Growing a team and bringing people on can be extremely rewarding. It can be a different level of leadership, of mentorship that takes you to the next level with your clients, 
you know, you get to be more present with them because someone is in there, you know, making sure that the customer service is being handled, making sure that the website is working, making sure that the delivery is actually being handled. And you can't continue to be the face. You can't continue to want to be your brand by yourself. There's no, look at every single brand in the world, every single brand in the world, every single successful person in the world, the Oprah's, the Damon John's, you know, nobody got there alone. And the sooner you realize that and you start delegating and practicing those skills, because they are skills and they are learnable skills if you don't feel comfortable communicating those things or, you know, knowing exactly what you need help with, that's all something you can learn. But the sooner you learn it, the faster you're going to grow. Yeah, Damon also, who was in the studio just a short bit ago too, uh, he always says, you know, I'm the overnight success that took 10 years. Right. <laughs> you know, and that's it's because he recognized the reason for the team. You can't turn the Titanic on a dime, you know, to avoid that iceberg. It takes time to build these things. You know, so you mentioned something about, you know, being selfish as an entrepreneur. Yes. And saying, you know, in some ways, Actually, a lot of ways, I feel that you really should be selfish, you know, and this is almost a personal development portion of it because I don't feel that you can ever be the best for anyone else unless you're the best for yourself yeah. first. But that's still the end result is still being the best for everybody else because you're still trying to serve yes. everyone else that exists in this world and makes the world go around, which is so cool. And that's why I do what I do. Right. But those who are selfish in the, the phrasing that you're using is just focusing on them and what they have and their mortgage payment. And don't get me wrong. I mean, mortgages are, they're super important. You got to be able to keep the roof over your head and you get to a point to where you realize, oh, I can't grow any bigger right now. But this is a, this is almost like the straight truth. Okay. Yeah. I have told countless entrepreneurs and even a young, amazing dude who's been a mechanic for several years has an opportunity to purchase the, the auto shop that he's been working at for so many years. He's like, what's the one thing you can tell me about this? You know, I'm like, dude, you've been doing the job for so many years. Don't buy this business just to keep doing the job. That's the straight truth. Don't do the job, build something meaningful. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's a really good point is so many entrepreneurs leave a nine to five, a corporate job working for somebody else. And unfortunately, all they end up doing is creating a new job for themselves. They go right back into the nine to five because they just think they got to grind it out to that certain point. And, you know, I think selfish can be a little bit of a dirty word. You know, I'm an only child. So growing up, I never wanted to be called selfish. And it's only been recently that I've realized you have to be selfish. And it's not a greedy selfish. It's not a, I need to, you know, not look after other people, but it's, I have to look after myself first a, because no one else is going to, but B, so that I can look after everybody else. If I'm not healthy, if I'm not happy, if I'm not successful, how on earth am I going to help other people get to those places themselves? So, you know, my own growth with that word has completely, you know, evolved over, you know, my life because growing up it was, I didn't want to share my toys, so I'm selfish. Now it's, I'm selfish because it's for everyone else. Yeah, I get that totally. There's uh, let's shift gears just real quick here because we're talking a lot about the the person who might be trying to get out of that corporate job, you know, becoming the entrepreneur, and the entrepreneur that is themselves, that's in that hamster wheel, as you said, that's just doing the job rather than building something meaningful. And they need to grow past this plateau in order to be self-fulfilled. But you work a lot with entrepreneurs and a lot with the people that are actually doing the hiring. 
you know, meaning they are building those teams. Mm-hmm. So you know what to look for. And, you know, the, the backbone workers, which are amazing because, you know, what, at one point I was in that role. I was in that integrator role. Right. We, You and I, I'm sure, both had jobs at yeah. some point, right? What was your first job? Oh, my first job? Yeah. Oh man, probably in a lawyer's office. I want I went to law school for a while. Yeah, that's another life. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I have very I still am very much an integrator. Um, and that's why I love what I do is I still get to support entrepreneurs and building their business bigger. And, you know, I was in that nine to five. I I was the right hand to a very successful um female CEO making millions of dollars from home. And the thing that I can say is there are so many people out there that, you know, in this day and age, it's like millennials. They are craving to be a part of companies that are up to big missions. They want to feel like they are doing oh, it's huge. You know, good work in the world, not just clocking in and clocking out at like a desk job. And so for us as entrepreneurs, I think it is so important to get in touch with why we're doing what we're doing, because then the right people who want to be in those support roles, who want to not be the face of a company, but do want to be a part of something bigger than themselves – they can come, you know, be a part of your team. And, you know, I think when we look at politics, you know, and I'm not going to go down the politics road. Oh, no. Nope. <laughs> but, um, you know, sometimes some people say, you know, politics can only do so much. It's really the entrepreneurs that are going to change the world because we are out there changing people's lives. Hell yeah. And when we have those people on board, those team members that care about our businesses just as much as we do you know, that's when the magic really happens. And that's what I love what I do because, you know, like Kate, that we found for you, you know, she has made your life a million times better just, you know, within a month. It's crazy how quickly things can just, you know, turn around. Oh, it's awesome. And then I can do things like we are doing right now is recording a podcast because we have something that we can give to everyone else. We have something, a way to serve them. Yeah, and that's that's why I do everything that I do. You know, payroll time. I love payroll because I love virtually signing those checks. You know, or clicking on the approve button for <laughs> for direct deposit. But it, doing that is positively influencing the lives of those that support me and support the mission that I'm on, and they feel like they're actually part of it and have an integral voice in actually driving this mission home. And I absolutely love that. So you said your first job was in a lawyer's office. Mine was McDonald's. You know, uh, I guess that's my first real job. You know, before that, I was doing some video game stuff, you know, when I was 10 years old, whatever. But my first real job was McDonald's. And, you know, there there's one thing that I definitely learned from that, you know, aside from that the food is really really not very high in nutritional value (laughs) (laughs) to say the least (laughs) yes exactly you know i just had a i recorded another podcast with a guy who's really into nutrition and fitness oh my god we had an awesome conversation but you know in a pinch i will still go get a filet of fish you know that's like my emergency if there's nothing else around in the world i will get that because at least it makes me think i'm eating fish still so Even though, okay, we'll, yeah. we'll get off that. But anyway, yes, yeah, squirrel. <laughs> My, I was part of a team, you know, and, and unless every team member did what they were supposed to do, you know, I remember being back in the grill section, you know, to where there was one person that was on the grill, you know, and everyone says flipping the burgers, you know, they don't flip them. They have these amazing clamshell things. And I think it was 43 seconds is all it took to cook a patty through. I don't know why I remember this stuff, you know, but that person was just grilling the meat. That's it. And then there was just one person that was assembling 
all of the sandwiches and using those, that meat that that person just grilled. Then there was one person that was always doing the fries. You know, so in a time of busyness, you know, around lunch rush or dinner rush, everybody had their part to do and it all allowed everything to go forward. You know, because regardless of nutritional value, whatever, McDonald's does fill a need. It, it, people do need substance to continue throughout the day. That's cool. But there's a team that actually provides that ability to do that. You don't see McDonald's isn't a food truck, you know, on the streets of New York. They're much bigger than that. And they've grown beyond that. I don't know where they started, but they still wouldn't be a food truck if it was just one single person. There would right. still be a food truck. That's why I call myself a matchmaker, because it is so important for me when all these entrepreneurs have that mindset of, oh, I've had a bad hire or I don't know if someone's going to love my business as much as I do or do it as well or can I trust them. It's so important that you do take the time to hire properly because A, mishires, you know, dun, 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 can cost 15 times a salary. So when you don't make it a priority, when you don't make sure it's a cultural fit, you know, when you're not taking that time to really make sure that your hiring practices are top notch and you're not settling for anything less than the best, you know, it can be extremely costly and not just financially, but then, you know, when you're working for a job that you don't love, I mean, think about how many people are just in a job. You know, that breaks my heart to think about coming home and just being drained, you know, being exhausted, hating going to work, like wanting to hit snooze to the very last second before you have to walk into that office. Like I've been there and it is miserable and it makes every other part of your life miserable. That's why I say matchmaker because this is just as important as like our dating relationships as it's like our work lives are like our marriages our you know, our personal friendships, you know, it's that important that it shouldn't be so overlooked and so casual of like hiring practices. Like it is that important. Yeah. And you're talking about, you know, those who dread going to work every morning too, you know, if we're talking about the, those backbone team members that, that support team, why would you want to dread going to work? I mean, even when I was like, oh, well, I just have to do this job. This is all I can get. And everyone thinks, oh, I'm going to get a part-time job just to make ends meet at home because money's tight right now. I'm just going to go work at Starbucks. I'm going to hate every day of it when I'm there because it's not what I want to do. You know, but when I went to, when I was working at McDonald's, I mean, this was when I was 16 years old, I loved going there because of the people that were around me that were on the team. Exactly. It didn't really matter what I was doing. It was the environment and the atmosphere that I was in. That That's what I loved about it. Right. Culture the, is such a huge part of like why we love going to work. You know, I've been in your office. I've seen your team. You guys have so many awesome like culture pieces in place that I think entrepreneurs kind of overlook because they don't think they're corporate. They don't think they're big enough to focus on, you know, what are the cultural pieces that I want to put in place? You know, as salespeople, we do our best marketing to our our clients, but oftentimes we forget that it's our employees, the people on our teams that need to be loving, living, breathing, working with us. And if we aren't marketing ourselves, our own companies to our teams, you know, how can we expect them to come 100% show up and love it and deliver what we want for our customers? You know, it's, you can't have one without the other. You're absolutely right. And Entrepreneurs in the world, like it or not, we are actually outnumbered, you know, by the backbone, the, t the support team, the, everybody else. Oh, that, I like that is, it. That's necessary. I do too. We Absolutely. have to have those numbers in place or else it would work. I love work. it. I, I, <laughs> I feed off of it. I love interacting with that type of dynamic. And my father-in-law, he was with Caterpillar for, geez, 36, 37 years, something like that before he retired. And he was with the same 
company for that many years. And that's not something that you really see much anymore. However, I think like this is the place that it can shift from 2008 to current. You know, divorce rates actually went down for the first time in you know the last couple of generations. And you think about our grandparents that stayed with one company almost their entire lives. You know, our parents' generation, the, this last you know generation before millennials, our parents jumped around to a lot of different jobs, and millennials have started doing that as well, trying to you know get a better salary, find the best place, jump around, figure out what they want. But this is where these cultural pieces and the hiring practices are so important because we want long-term people. We want to not have to continue to train people over and over again. We want to entice our team to stay and be a family for long-term, not just like, oh, until you find the next best thing. So when I see the divorce rates are actually coming down in the millennial generation, I'm actually really optimistic for what that means for the workforce because I think people are trying to find those entrepreneurial companies that have an awesome mission, have an awesome culture that they can grow with long term. There's something that I think we can really pick up. You're using the label millennials and I don't even, I don't know, do millennials like the label millennials? Uh, probably not. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It's but just an easy catch all word right now. I get you. So, you know, <laughs> so let's talk about it, th those who are starting off yeah. in their professional career. And you hit on something, you know, because everyone who's in that bucket I, I love you and uh, my heart goes to you because I think you've got some stuff figured out that it's taken, you know, the baby boomers and older a long time to figure this out too. You know, my, my father-in-law, he loved his job at Caterpillar and he would be able to tell you everything about the backhoes and the, the loaders and all this stuff because he loved what he did. He loved going to work every single day and the people that were around him. It, it was fantastic to hear some of the stories. But it, if we look at the, the younger demographic right now, you know, just maybe coming out of college and just starting their professional career. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, you're talking about that demographic really jumps from job to job, you know, unless I think it was, I don't remember the study that I saw, unless they are actually given a mission to believe in, in an advancement opportunity to move up quickly. Exactly. And then their loyalty and their tenure is even better and longer than those in the baby boomer generation. Exactly. And the reason they jump ship is because I think they figured it out. Yeah. It's like they... Everyone needs to hear this right now because if you don't like what you do, change what you do. Exactly. It's as simple as that. And this younger demographic, I think, just grabs onto that in a very positive way and saying, you know what? It is not worth it for me to feel this way about where I make a living or, or what I do on a daily basis. I need to find something that gels with me, gels with my personality, gels with my life goals and something else. To, maybe I might not want to lead it. That's okay because I just want to go and support somebody else, but I want to find something that I can grab onto and, and forward that mission and that cause and actually bring whatever that is, you know, whatever that visionary's crazy idea is for that day, actually help bring that to fruition and feel like I'm a part of it. Exactly. And if I can find that, I, I don't, I have no reason to leave. Right. So let's flip it around. You know, if I'll use the term millennials here, you know, because you see it in articles all the time saying, yeah. why are millennials jumping jobs so much? And I can't I can't understand millennials. And I talk to others, you know, I'm going to be 40 next year, you know, which I think is still pretty young. But 
everyone in my age group is like, oh, I just don't know how to manage them. I don't know how to work with them. I don't know what to do with them. And I, I love them. I love bringing them on board because their their passion is so strong and they just want to be able to grab onto something. Yeah, they want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. That is the, besides monetary, that is the number one reason why millennials and, you know, whatever word you want to replace that with, the younger generation that is the number one reason why they choose the jobs that they go after. It's not just, you know, there are the people that just blanket, you know, apply to all these different companies and hope that one's a good one. But it's, you know, it's a double two-sided interview. You know, they're interviewing the company just as much as the company's interviewing them and good for them. Like no one should settle for anything that they don't absolutely love. You know, it's not worth it. We only have one life to live. Why waste it? Yeah, you got it. And, you know, and that even transcends into something else because I, I love giving. I hire people. You hire people all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because you're in the mindset of those who have brought you on board, you know, your services to find their number two or, or their team. Yeah. You know, there's always things that, that that person, that hiring manager, that entrepreneur is looking for. And there's always like make or break things in interviews too you know because you mentioned interviews yeah you know you are interviewing both ways but you know i'll start this off and then i want to ask your take on this too because you said interviewing the company and this is actually the last part that i want to talk about in this episode today is to give some pointers here yeah when you're interviewing that company you know go into the interview not just there to answer questions but also to ask them yes you know come up with what you need to know for your life ahead of time do some research just don't walk into it blind because you're going to look lazy you know, and you're just going to not look prepared. But when you ask questions, you are engaging. Yeah. And the one sure way psychologically to see if somebody likes you is if they actually or make somebody like you actually is to ask them questions about themselves. Right. Right. So that's my tip. What is your biggest tip for those who would go into a job interview? Yeah, no, that's an excellent tip. It makes the candidate more memorable. Whenever I am interviewing, that is actually a deal breaker. If they don't have any questions about the company, why are you hiring? Why are you looking to be hired for this position if you don't care what you're applying for? You know, um, the other thing I can say is be ready for any question. You know, it sounds really simple, but, you know, you should know your stuff. If you have the experience on your resume, if you, you know, know anything about yourself, you should know your strengths and weaknesses. You should know where you need help. You should know what kind of team you're going to work well in, remote you know, in office, you know, is it something that's a super creative team? Are you going to be the integrator? You know, being aware of yourself comes across as very confident in interviews. And I think, you know, the more time that you take to really flesh out what you want, what are you looking for? What are your goals? That's going to come across to the company that you're confident in what you're looking for and that you're here for a reason. You know, it's not just a oh, I'm just interviewing with eight different companies for the fun of it. You know, it's I'm going after this job because I really want it. And I think when we, you know, once again, I'm going to bring it back to our personal relationships. If you're going to go on a bunch of dates, you know, you're not going to go on a second date just because it's a second date. You want to actually really like the person, you know. So it's the same thing when we're interviewing with jobs. I mean, okay, maybe (laughs) third or fifth date in personal relationships. Um, But, you know, when we correlate it that way, you know, you got to love, you know, what you're doing and, and if not, why are you doing it? There Simple it is. as that. You got it. So if we could end it today with, with the one thing that you want our listeners to take away from today, we've talked about a lot, but what's the one thing that you could just say, hey, grab onto this today? 
Um, so for the entrepreneur, I'd say you can't scale you and the faster you get support, the faster you're gonna take yourself to the next level of success. For our listeners who are maybe the support staff Back or bones, yeah. you know, if you're in the nine to five, make sure you're doing what you love. And if you're not doing what you love, go find it. You know, Take the time to really explore what that means for you and don't settle until you find it. Awesome. Thanks for coming on today. Awesome. Thank it. you so much for having me, Rick. I really, I, this was so fun. <laughs> yes. If anyone wants to find you and what you do and anything about you, where do they go? Uh, my website is www.remitraining.com. That's R-E-M-I. Like my first name, Remy Sorrentino. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram as well. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.